someone. If nothing else, it'll bless us just to hear ourselves tell the story again because we are just in awe of what God does. He's just an amazing God. God is good. So I will let Cindy start with how we, how we first met and our backgrounds. So just to give you a little background of where I came from um, and how different Stacy and I were, were raised, we didn't really think it would have that much of an impact um, on us when we first started dating, but uh, little did I know that, that it would. I grew up in um, Marietta, Georgia, and I have two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. My mom and dad um, are divorced and um, multiple times, not just, not just one, but they were. And so growing up, um, we did not have a lot of money. Um, Christmases, I remember, were very, um, you know, maybe a gift or two a piece. And I knew my mom and dad, you know, worked hard to, to give us all that they could give us. But we, you know, we really grew up without a lot of money. Um, we was a one-income family. My father you know, worked um, off and on, so even with him being, you know, the sole provider, it was still, you know, it was, it was very difficult. Um, they divorced when I was 15 years old, and um, my dad had gotten into some legal issues, and it was, ju it was just not a good environment. Um, my sisters and I, when they, find, when they did divorce, um, we kind of prayed for them to because the atmosphere in our home was toxic. And um, we just never knew one minute to the next what we were going to wake up to. So when they finally got divorced, um, my mother you know, went back to work and my oldest sister was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And at the time, that was a new disease that really no one even knew of, and um, she, she came close to dying um, several times during that process, but she is healed and she is thriving to this day, but as we were growing up, um, divorce was just the norm for me. There was, everyone in my family has been divorced, every single one of them has, all my aunts, all my uncles. Um, so when we married, I knew standing up there, looking him in the face that we were, we were not going to make it. I knew it. And in my thought, I thought, well, my parents were married for 20 years. If I can beat that, then I'll be good. But I never looked at us as we would be together forever. So, um, you know, I grew up in lack. I grew up in not a very spiritual environment. Um, God was not mentioned a lot, even though my grandfather was a pastor. Um, we didn't talk about God a lot. Uh, we did. One thing I will give credit to my mom for is she made sure, you know, whether she went or not, it didn't matter, but she dropped me off at church. And so I was still very, very involved in church um, from a young age. And then when my parents did divorce, I stayed in church, my two sisters off and on um, for a little while. And then after they had been divorced for a while, I went back to school, um, got my degree, started my career, and um, I met I met Stacy. But I'll let him tell and, you. And I was probably exactly the opposite. Um, I had a, a family history of no divorce. You just uh, stayed with your spouse. You fought for your marriage. 
I grew up in church. Uh, my dad was, has been in the choir, still is in the choir. He's 84 years old. I don't even know if he can hear the music, but he's up there. He's up there singing and smiling. He loves it. Um, but just a great, godly man in my life and, and a beautiful uh, mother. I have one older brother uh, who's highly successful. He's a surgeon in Atlanta. And uh, it was just, just the beaver cleaver type atmosphere growing up. We just had a, had a great time and never worried about much of, much of anything. Uh, after I graduated high school, I went to college and kind of went off the, the deep end. Uh, got into a fraternity, got a lot of friends that, uh, you know, not their fault because I, I tagged along willingly, but we did a lot of things that, that we shouldn't do, and I certainly didn't attend any type of church uh, while, I was, while I was in college. So after college, I moved to Atlanta and, and you know, again, continued to, to live a pretty, pretty awful lifestyle until I met Cindy. And, and we met, uh, she came into uh, the bank where I worked, and uh, it kind of went from there. We were both in our... In a, in a relationship at the time, but we knew there was something, some type of an, an attraction there. Um, and we started to date, and I thank God every day because Cindy was adamant once we started dating, we are going to go to church. So throughout this whole process, even though we weren't living correctly, um, which we'll get to in just a minute, we were always in church, and that is, I think, a key component of our story. So, um, of course, you know, Stacy's saying I wanted him to go to church with me. I was adamant about that. However, when we, um, he, he went with me, and, um, but we did church. We didn't go to church. We did church. We knew how to walk in the door with a big smile on our face and say, oh, you know, how are you doing today? And the famous response is, great, how are you? When really I was dying inside. Um, but he didn't know that. I kept a lot from him because um, I, I went through some devastating things when I was 15 years old, and I did not want to share that with Stacy because I felt like if he knew that part of me, the ugly part of me, that um, he, he would not want to be with me. And so I kept a lot of things from him. And so, you know, he had no idea that pieces of me were just, were broken before we could even get together and continue that brokenness. I was already there. So, um, we, uh, when we met, I told him that, well, one thing he told me was that he went to church, but, you know, it was just kind of just something he did when he was home. Um, but church for me was important, so we went, we did the whole thing, we got involved, um, and then I guess shortly after that, you proposed. Um, well, before that, uh, you can start to see the cracks. Uh, as we were dating, we moved in together. So we dated for four years, but we lived together for four years. So not long after we began to date, I was on my own, I had an apartment, and it was near Cindy's job, and I have no reasoning behind why we did that, but we moved in together probably a month after we started dating, and, and you can imagine that's just living in sin. It was not good. It was, it was not the way to start off a relationship, and I didn't, I didn't propose to Cindy for four years because we were living together. It was one of those, you know, I've got everything anyway. What, what would be the point 
getting married, and, and that's not good. So, um, but over time, um, you know, I certainly loved Cindy, and uh, I did propose, and, and we went through premarital counseling at a church that we were attending, which is kind of funny because it was it was not good not good premarital counseling. Um, but we went through the process and, and, and got married. Mm-hmm. We did. So as we started our married life, we um, jumped straight into a church that we, we loved, we both loved. He did um, production, I was in the choir. Um, we went to a couple of small groups. So we were very plugged in. We were very plugged in and very dedicated to our church. Um, the funny thing about our story is church never was out of the picture. It was always there. And I look back over that and I'm thinking, man, that was dangerous. How dangerous we were living and going to church and I was in the choir and I was singing and he was doing production. And so as time went on, um, like, let me go back to what he said with when we were living together. Um, it was not just a small crack, it was a big crack. Because, of course, we were having sex out of marriage, and that goes against everything God designed it for. Um, So we were already walking and living in sin, but we thought, well, we'll go to church. You know, we'll go to church. Church is good. That is something good. But sometimes church is, I've got to have something good because I'm living so bad that if I can just go to church, I'll get the feel goods for at least a little bit, and then I'll walk out the door and I'll continue to do whatever I wanna do, which is exactly what we did. We went to church and I had, um, we were slowly declining as as time went on. Um, It wasn't like this big earth shattering thing at first. It was gradually we were doing the decline, but we were so, acting like we were living the godly life and we were nowhere close to it and why god didn't say you know what you are you are walking around and you're acting you're a hypocrite you know and i thank god every day that he did not take us out because we were not living for him we were looking like we were living for him it was a picture so um i remember I was in the uh, restroom getting ready for church, and um, a lady came in, and this was at the church that we were attending at the time, and she said, you know what, she said, I just look at you and your husband, and she goes, I would love to have what you have, and I thought, she has no idea that I practically don't even like him, but we painted the picture so well that people thought we were in love. We were, we had it together. And I remember in that moment thinking, girl, you don't want any part of it. You have no idea what you're talking about and you don't want any part of it. So we continued to play church for many, many years. Um, Started to have children. We have three beautiful uh, young men now. They're grown, but we had, uh, at the time, uh, we had, oldest who was a twin but, but we lost the other one so uh, we had a son and then four years later we did have twin boys so we had three three beautiful boys but uh, that just complicated things you know we were working we were struggling we had three children to raise 
Uh, we were heavy in debt because I was making poor financial decisions and not, not tithing. Um, it was just spiraling out of control slowly. And we didn't even like each other. Like Cindy said, we would go to church, but as soon as I got home, I opened a beer and watched sports all day. And, and uh, it got to a point, I think, where Cindy put her foot down when I was getting my oldest son to go get me another beer. And she was just like, you know, that's enough is enough. So you can imagine the household. And I, we tell you this because this is what we, we view a lot of marriages are like. You know, we see a lot of people know a lot of people that are, that are struggling and, and we just feel that this unfortunately is the norm. This is what uh, we just think a lot of people are, you know, are going through currently and, and we went through that, which is, is just why we tell you this part. But we want to start, start getting to the, to, the, to the bottom here. Um, our church fell apart. Our pastor uh, fell and our church just imploded and so we were out of church for about six months and our, our brother-in-law and Cindy's sister invited us to uh, Pastor Dallas's church and, and we ended up there and, you know, we were, again, just playing church. We would go to church, we'd come home and, and live in the world. Nothing really changed. I got surrounded by some godly men, though. I can remember how it all happened. It was in the fall before we hit rock bottom and I joined a men's Sunday school class and I was surrounded by my brother-in-law and another man that was leading the class, and he was pouring into me, and I finally realized how bad I was treating Cindy, just how awful of a, a, a man I was because I was not leading my home. I was not the spiritual head of my home. If anything, Cindy was. She was dragging me along, and uh, I started to slowly recognize that, and Cindy started to recognize it because I started to treat her better. And I can, can look back and see that we were starting to progress a little bit in the right direction, but again, I think that is very important because I think God looked in us and said, they are, are playing church, they are lukewarm, and they are, are very destructive, but I see something good in them. I see a little nugget, something in there that I can use for the betterment of my kingdom. And thank God that he did. I guess he just saw that we would be willing at some point down the road to glorify him after we went through the process that he allowed us to hit rock bottom. And I think it's because we were finally beginning to realize spiritual maturity, I don't know what you call it, but we finally started to see, you know, that we weren't leading a, a godly life, that we were heading for self-destruction. So he let us hit rock bottom. So let me just give you an example of what our day-to-day -day was like as we were slowly getting to the point of um, really no return, I guess you could say, but God. Um, we would wake up in the morning, and Stacy and I really led separate lives inside of our house. Um, he would be downstairs, you know, watching sports, drinking beer, whatever, and I would be doing something with the kids or doing laundry or doing something like that. We never really said, I love you. You, you know, we, the romance was just not there. Um, we started to really not like each other. Then I think we slowly realized we were losing love for each other and didn't really care to fight for it, didn't really care anything about it. So, you know, our, our days would start. I'd wake up, wake the kids up. Well, I was already mad when I woke up. I was angry all the time. I was frustrated all the time. There was no peace. There was no peace in my head. 
and um, I would get my kids up. I yelled at them all morning long. Um, they were crying. I was crying. We would drive to school. I yelled at them the whole way there, only to pick them up to yell at them all the way home. Um, and then the cycle started. And that wasn't that didn't just happen for a month or so. It happened for years, years. Um, I can remember college football season. Um, he would watch the games, and I would take my kids, my three kids, to carnivals. And he'd be like, well, I'll meet you, you know, when I'm done watching the game or whatever. And I remember walking around seeing these other dads with their families, and I thought, you know, God, why can I not just have that? But in my mind, I was like, oh, that's right, because it's never going to happen for you. Remember, everybody divorces in your family. You're just waiting. You're just waiting. So I thought, well, okay. So in my mind, I thought, okay, I can, I can deal with this. I can handle raising my kids by myself. I don't, I don't need him. And so we lived that way for a very long time. And we go on vacation with his family. Um, uh, his parents have a beach condo that we, you know, get to go use. And so we were down there with them. And I just remembered, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. And I don't want to go home with him. And he did not want to go home with me. And so I remember telling him down there on the beach, I can see it, that I just didn't love him anymore. And, you know, he I, he kind of looked dumbfounded at first, but then I thought he was like, yeah, well, you know, feelings probably mutual. So when we got home, um, we had a conversation, and I really can't tell you what that conversation w was about, but I knew we had to make a decision. And I thought, I looked at my kids, he was at work one day, and I looked at my kids, and they were playing on the floor, and I thought, how can I do that to them. It was done to me, and it was miserable. It was miserable, because when you divorce, it, people think, oh, well, you know, I'm not with my spouse anymore. No, you're not with your spouse anymore, but you just set the next generation up for the same thing, and it will continue to spiral until somebody stops it, and why would you want to leave your child for maybe some man down the road will never love them like their daddy loves them. Never. And I thought, but God, I, you know what? Let me take that back. I don't even know that I asked God. It was more like, Cindy, you don't love him either. And so um, I don't really know, unless you do, I really don't know the moment that I thought I've got to make this work. I think you made that decision. I think you had well, made that. I think uh, we finally just hit rock bottom. I remember the day. It was our twins' eight-year-old birthday. Uh, it was a Saturday, and we just hit rock bottom that Saturday morning, had a huge blowout, and then had to get in the car and go meet all of our family at the skating rink and have a birthday party and act like we liked each other. I don't even, I don't even think we talked to each other. We were on opposite mm -hmm. sides of the birthday party, and my brother and, and, and his wife were there, and, and all of our family, and nobody even noticed uh, that we weren't really talking or anything, but we had, we had hit rock bottom that morning. After the birthday party, we went off on our own before we went home and just sat in the car in a library parking lot and, and had another blowout and decided, we couldn't decide whether we wanted to divorce each other or, or what we were going to do. We decided to spend the night separately 
I said, Sammy, just take the kids and go to your mom's house. She lives in the same town. I said, I just, I just need to get away from you. And she said the same thing. So uh, we spent the night apart. But I do remember the next day was Sunday morning. Uh, for whatever reason, we went to church together. And uh, we cried the whole time. I don't think Dallas even noticed. He was preaching. We were way off in the corner. And uh, we went to the altar and just lost it. And um, I got up from the altar and just walked out of the church. Um, but after service, Cindy, you know, she came outside and found me and um, just wanted to make sure if I was okay or not. But we agreed at that point that, uh, <clears throat> that we would go to lunch and, and I think the kids were with her mom. And, and we just talked and, and we decided at that point that we would, would uh, get remarried and, and try to, to make it work. But I think by that afternoon we were arguing again, so I, we called... Uh, I called Dallas and we set up a counseling session and uh, the next day <clears throat> we let Dallas and Holly know what was going on and uh, we went through two or three weeks of, of counseling with them and and well actually it was just three days because three days is all right. you need with Pastor Dallas I, get, I said uh, this yesterday and <laughs> it is the truth um, it was the truth but the, the whole point was you're either going to fight for it. I, he can't fight for my marriage. No, but Stacy can't fight for my marriage. I have to fight for my marriage. And he gave us, hey, this is, this is what you do. It's up to you to do it. And so. But, it, but he said, you, you've got to make a decision. Yes, so we took a stand. We decided right there that we were not going to get divorced. We were going to take a stand and fight for our marriage. And I think from that point, they gave us instructions, but we kind of took it on our on our own. Uh, it was a period of somewhere between, 40, I don't know, 40, 40 days, days to 60 days. I'm not exactly sure, but we changed everything that we did. We would get up in the morning and, uh, 30 minutes earlier than we normally did, and I would just read the Bible. She would lay in bed next to me, and we put God first. I would just read. I'm not even sure if she was awake half the time. But I was pouring scripture into her, but I was leading all of a sudden. I had to find a Bible. That's a funny story. I couldn't find it. I had to go buy a Bible. I didn't even know where my Bible was. So I went and purchased a Bible. But I would pour into her and myself by reading scripture, and we would pray together. I would go to work, and we battled all day long. The devil was just wearing us out because we took a stand. He was just reminding me everything that Cindy had done to me, and I'm sure... Uh, the devil was reminding Cindy everything I had done to her, and we would call. I would call Dallas, and he would give me scriptures to to read, and 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 how to fight, and, and just yell Jesus' name, driving home. And it was just this huge spiritual war that was going on for a long time. But I would come home, and Cindy and I would go in the bedroom, uh, crank up praise and worship music, and pray for thirty minutes to an hour, um, and then eat dinner with the kids, put them to bed, and then we would get into the Word again. And, and we did that. It was just this. This amazing time of chasing after God. But we cried and we cried and we cried and we fought the devil for 45 to 60 days. I don't even know. But uh, I remember walking out about two or three months later. We had a neighborhood where everybody had small kids and they played outside and they rode their bikes. And I can remember walking out one day and the group of parents were sitting there and they all looked up and said, where in the heck have y'all been? And we just smiled. We were just like, you know, we... We've been here, but they had no idea what we had been going through. But we tell everybody it was the worst time of our life, but it was the most awesome time chasing after God and getting, getting the ship turned uh, in the right direction. 
and uh, we also realized, too, that neither one of us really had that personal relationship with Jesus. It was, we felt like we, we had the couple thing starting, starting, but we shortly realized that, you know, God had to fix all of the things in Stacy and all in me before we could ever come together. And so that part of that restoration was finding out who I was in Christ and who, what my identity was. My past is not my identity. The, the, the way that I grew up is not my identity. It's my story. It's my history, but it's not my identity. And God started showing me, you are more powerful than what you see, but I'm going to show you. But the funny thing about God is, when he shows you, it hurts. When he shows you, it's painful. And I thought, man, all this time I have lived with the lies of the devil that I am worthless, that Stacy would never want a filthy girl like me. And I had to fight all of those emotions as we're doing this together, you know, and God slowly started showing me how beautiful I was in his eyes and how beautiful I was in his eyes and that's when the transformation kind of really started to be evident and I can remember there were times before we started this that you know he hated to come home and I hated him coming home and one thing I told the the marriage at the marriage conference yesterday is one thing we never did was we never slept separately we always slept in the same bed because my grandmother told me one time, she said, don't ever sleep separate from one another. And I thought, oh, you are crazy, you know. Uh, and she said, and let me tell you why. Because the devil loves to isolate. If he can isolate you, then he has the power to take control of your mind and take you down a path that was never intended for you. He would also lie to you. He would sit there and say, even while we were separate during the day, he would say, I wonder what Stacy's doing. You know he hates you. You know he doesn't love you. You know this isn't going to work. You know, why are, you know, why are you even trying? And I would have to call him, and I'd have to say, hey, are you okay? You know, is everything okay? We would have to it was like the devil was sinking us further, but every time we would sink, we would pull each other back up. And then we would sink a little more, and we would pull each other back up. And it went on. It was exhausting. It was so tiring to a point that my sister lived next door to me, and I think it was one of her girls' birthday parties. And I was so exhausted that we didn't even go, and that was very abnormal for us. And she was like, you know, I just don't get you. I just don't get you. And I thought to myself, you know what? I, you don't have to get me because I am trying to breathe. I'm trying to fight for something that, that I realized I desperately wanted. I desperately wanted. So we, it was that vicious cycle of every day we just had to, to pull each other. I got to the point where he would come home and I would be like, call Dallas, just call Dallas, you know, because Dallas could, could pull him up when I couldn't. And that's how you surround yourself with Christian people, because if it wasn't for Dallas, I didn't have the strength to pull him up every time the enemy would pull him down. So it was so important that you have Christian people around you praying for you when you can't pray for yourself. 
and that's kind of where we were. Yep. So during this process, as it continued, uh, I started to lead. I started to make sure that we were having this time in prayer and this time in Scripture. I started to be the spiritual head of the house. Um, we started to grab the kids and have devotions with them at night and start to lead them to begin their relationship with Jesus. Uh, it just started to change everything. All of a sudden, we weren't arguing anymore. Uh, we realized one morning that everybody was smiling and laughing as they were getting ready to uh, go to school. And uh, it, it was just like the whole dynamic of the household began to change. Uh, the debt part, I think this is a very important uh, to share this. I wasn't a tither. And... Uh, but when I took a stand, I said, we're doing it all. I'm on a tithe. But every time summer would roll around, I would withhold. And Cindy told you about the time uh, how we would go to the beach with my parents every summer. Uh, I would withhold, but when we would get to the beach, we still didn't have a dime. We couldn't even buy an ice cream cone for the kids. And at the end of the week, I would always stand out on the beach and look out over the ocean, and I would just tell God, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of this cycle of lack. Um, but I knew it was my fault because I just wasn't trusted, trusting him, and I did this for, for quite some time. But when I finally went all in, 100%, and started to tithe, I want to share that God just started to move in every area of my life. Um, our debt, instead of it being a mountain of debt that I viewed all around me, he changed my perception to where it looked like I was flying above it. It looked low, like I could finally get my hand, my hands on it and get it, get it accomplished. So first he changed our perception. We argued all the time about money, about my poor financial decisions. We prayed about it going forward. We didn't argue anymore. It was more, hey, let's just grab and pray and, and talk about this decision. Um, he didn't change my job. He didn't change my income. But all of a sudden we had the money to to feed our children and, and not argue about, you know, why we didn't have a little bit extra to do, you know, a little fun thing for the kids. Um, he did not bless us financially, though. I think that's very important. Um, it was years and years and years and years. He showed me that once I was fully bought in, that if I would help lead the people I worked with, not necessarily to Christ, one of them was already saved, but the other one, just to pour into them, share our story with, with this lady and her husband and and. They were, they were eventually blessed and became, you know, warriors for God. And, and once I had that in order, God changed my career, uh, blessed me with a, a whole different career that had a, a whole different level of income and security. Same thing with Cindy. Cindy was a, a, a stay-at-home mom that raised our beautiful children. But all of a sudden, God just blessed her with this unique career uh, where she can work from home. And, and it was just amazing. So all of a sudden, just things started to slowly, slowly change. Um, and it was that way for years. We started sharing our story. We started giving back. I think that was very important. God said, you know, I'm going to do this for you, but in return, you know, be obedient and share and give back to the kingdom. So we started marriage ministry at, at Dallas's church. We just started having events and Sunday school classes and, and pouring in, and then we started counseling, and we've been doing both of those for about 10 years now. Um, and it just, again, it was just because of our obedience, because I was finally taking the reins as the spiritual head of the house is what I was supposed to do. 
Um, and then finally, God started to bless us in other areas. I think because at that point, he knew I wouldn't go back and get back in the same situation. I think he had to wait until I, he knew that I would handle it correctly and turn around and, and be a blessing to others. Um, and so once he knew that, that I would be able to handle that, then he started to, to pour out the blessings. Yeah, and through all that process, you know, God taught us how to communicate with one another instead of arguing with one another. He showed us his love so that we could love each other. Um, if, if I could say anything at all, you know, would I go back and do it again and have, if I knew, that, you know, this would be the same outcome, I would do it again. Because Jesus showed up, and I cannot explain it to this day, and I don't think I ever will until I'm on the other side of this, this world, and I'm in heaven with him. And I hope that he tells me, because we fought so hard, and it was not fun, and it was painful. And it was, I mean, we, we were preparing for this, um, for this weekend, and we sat down in our basement, and we cried. Because we don't have this dynamic story like we went off to Africa and we've done all of this stuff. It's a simple story, but this simple story had a big God. Because I could have, we could have said no. We could have said we're not fighting for this. We would be divorced. I would, I, I really feared if we did, he would take our kids and go, go to his hometown. And um, it, our story could have been so different. We didn't know how to do it, but we just knew we had to do it, and we didn't want to do it. God gives you things that you don't want to do, but he gives you the strength to do it, and if it wasn't for that, we couldn't pull each other up. If it wasn't for his strength and his love, and for him, you know, he was waiting. He was waiting. He was like, you know what? Y'all keep messing it up, but I'm going to stay right here. When you figure it out and you get ready for me, just take a step. Not anything different. We didn't have to do anything huge. Just take a step, and we did. And God said, got it. But I can remember the day I was. we were in the living room or somewhere in the house, and there was laughter. It wasn't just laughter. It was love. It was peace. It was comfort. Our house became a home, and there is a big difference. We all can have a house, but it takes God to give you a home. And our kids came home, and they were happy, and they were secure, and they weren't nervous. They didn't have to wonder, is mom and dad going to fight? Is mom and dad going to, you know, I knew how that felt as a child. It is the scariest thing to hear. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And then God said, as clear as I know it, now go. You are done. Now go. And so we were like, all right, we're going. Where are we going? Where, you know, where, where are we going to go? I don't want to go to Africa. But if I had to, I would. Um, but he told us to go. We didn't know what that meant. But opportunities just kept presenting itself. And we were able to get out. And it, it, it's, again, it's not a huge, dynamic, crazy story, but the way God works, it's for any story. It may not be a marital story. It may be an addiction. It may be a relationship. It may be, you know, whatever it is. God has the power to do it, and he will because his word says so. But we have to work. We did the work, and because we did the work, 
he blessed us. And for a long time, I didn't want to talk about how God blessed us because I felt like, oh, Cindy, they're going to think you're bragging. You're just bragging. But you know what? If I don't tell you that I was blessed, what kind of hope does that give you? If I cannot say to you, this is how God blesses, then how are you ever going to know? How are you ever going to know? Um, our oldest son uh, just recently married uh, two, about two years ago now, and he's a youth pastor uh, going to school to get his certification. My two um, twin, our twin boys are the middle school, doing middle school youth group on Wednesday nights. It's nothing we did. And my mom says, oh, Cindy, you did such, You and Stacy did such a good job with your kids. And I stop her every time. And I say, no, Mom, God did. God did that. God is the one who did that. God is the one who fought when we couldn't. So, you know, so we, we started doing marriage counseling. And um, we've had some interesting sessions with people. But, you know, we did start doing that. And that was just another blessing. And, you know, people say, look, we desperately need counseling. How much do you charge? And we're like, charge? Why would I charge? When Jesus gave me something that was free, why should I make you pay for that? Why should? So, no, we don't because the word of God is free. And it is for anybody who wants it. And it is for anybody who wants to claim his truth. And so why would I want to charge for that? So we do it, but we love it. We enjoy it. We have fun with it. And the interesting thing was we were kind of afraid to start doing it because we felt like it would bring up our wounds. That if a couple came in and they started sharing their problems, that it would take us back. And we noticed after doing it a couple of times, we were riding down the road one night, and I said, I'm not even mad at you, you know. And, you know, and this went really good. And so it never affected us, and that was God's blessing, that we could give out of our pain but not have to relive it every time we counseled. And he covered us. He, I, can, I can just see his covering over us. And so we tell our story because it's his story. We tell it because it's hope. We tell it because it's not just for us. It's for anybody who wants it. But you have a part to do. He's not just going to come sit beside you and give it to you. He tells us to go and make disciples. Go and do this. Um, when the man was, was blind, you know, he stood at the gate and pick up your mat. He had to physically do something in order for God to go, I can heal you now because you took that step. And that's what we did. That is exactly what we did. And God has taken us to places like this I would never have thought in a million years. But the, but the importance is if God can destroy marriages, he can destroy the church. And we are battling today, if you just read Yahoo, if you uh, just turn on the television, I mean, we are battling everything. Homosexuality, uh, marriages are, are temporary now. If you, if you listen to the television, it's okay to, to, to end one and just swap and go, go get married to somebody else. We have a huge, huge battle in front of us. And so that is why we are so adamant about the power of marriage and, and what it can do, how it can change your family. 
The blessings are generational just as the curses are generational. If we can get it right and our children can get it right and their children can get it right, that is how we can get this thing turned around. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And remember, keep in mind that, you know, we said this yesterday there in the conference, but it's very worth repeating, is your marriage is your ministry. And what kind, when the world looks at you, and, look, and this could be for anybody, it could be for anything, but specifically to marriages, what is your marriage, how is your marriage representing Jesus? How is he, how is, when people look at you, what do they really, really see? And if you are faking it to make it, people will notice, because people did throughout our whole time. But um, the goodness of God is there, and that's all I can give credit to. God is good. We love y'all. Thank you so much for letting us come up and speak today. We'll have Pastor Dallas come up and close this out. I wound up with two mics. Either one, right? That was incredible. What a story of hope, not just for marriage, but for individuals. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to stand to your feet. And um, perhaps you're in here and you have, perhaps you are faking it till you're making it. You're in here on Sundays. You're waving at everybody. You're smiling. But deep down inside, Monday through Saturday, you're not living the life that you should. Perhaps you're in here and maybe the part where they talked about that she didn't see herself the way God did. And she didn't see herself as God did. And she saw herself less than. Maybe you're in here and you have some issues that you're battling like that. I'm sure there was a lot that was said. And this was so, so good. And I want to tell you there's something out there, I'm sure, that touched your heart. I don't know about you, but I want to just pray about it myself. Uh, there, there's something in there. Maybe this is just a good time to just search your own heart. As a matter of fact, would you just bow your heads? and I want to invite you to come to this altar right now. To just slip out and maybe just come down and have a little time of prayer. Maybe you want your marriage to be strengthened. I see where their marriage is now and I remember... Our first session with him, I remember distinctly asking Stacy, what are you going to do? And him telling me at first, I, I don't know. I mean, it was to that point, and I look at them now, and man, they are just so in love. And they have such a blessed marriage because of God. I don't know what you may be struggling with today, but I want to invite you to come.